Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to open your Bible with me this morning to Acts 26, and uh, you probably know where in Acts 26. I want us to look at our vision as we close out the year today, and or this week at least, uh, this, uh, today and tomorrow, I guess, today and tonight, uh, we'll be back on, on Wednesday the 2nd, but uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a particular aspect of our vision and, and uh, what God has for us to do. You know that in Acts 26, uh, beginning in verse 16, we have our vision, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We know that, uh, that our church calling and, and our vision here at Impact Family Church is to be ministers and witnesses of the things that he has shown us, how he has revealed himself to us through his word. And uh, in the 18th verse, it says that our, our uh, goal and our purpose is to open men's eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. There's a lot, there are a lot of people and a lot of churches, good churches, don't misunderstand me, that talk a lot about the forgiveness of sins and thank God for that. But not so many people talk about our inheritance. And the Lord wants the church, the body of Christ, and new people coming to Christ to know there's an inheritance. In addition to being Save what we can refer to as the basic salvation message, being born again, forgiven of your sins, becoming a child of God, and then uh, uh, you know, going through life knowing that you're saved and eventually going to heaven. That's, that's a wonderful reality. But there's also not only forgiveness of sins, but an inheritance. There are some things that go along with uh, the new birth. And over in Ephesians, we're familiar with this verse, and you probably are in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse number three, we won't read all these verses, but we'll just uh, skip over and read uh, three of them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And he goes on down and, and he says in verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then in verse 11, he says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. In other words, in addition to forgiveness of sins, in addition to the new birth, there's an inheritance that belongs to believers. And, and this is something that the, that the church world at large really doesn't know anything about. And you really don't hear about it in most churches. And so God's given us the responsibility and the mandate to talk about this inheritance because God wants us to have everything he's made available for us. 
Amen. So with that being said, I want you to go over to 3 John, the third epistle of John, another very familiar verse, verse number two. He said, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I want to talk about the being in health part. He said, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Notice he didn't say and be healed. Now that may be a, a, a very uh, you know, narrow nuance, but I think there's something in that. He said, I want you to prosper in all things and be in health. Or he could say it like this, be healthy. Amen. He's not talking about being spiritually healthy. He's talking about physical health. Now, it's easy sometimes to look at this passage of scripture because you know, it starts out in, in verse number one, says, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And then verse three, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you as you walk in the truth. So I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This was a letter that the apostle John wrote to a dear friend named Gaius. And I don't have any way to know the Bible doesn't really tell us or give us any indication that when the apostles penned the, the books of the New Testament or, or the epistles, like when Paul wrote his epistles, these were letters to churches. And, this, and he wrote a letter to, to Philemon and then personal letter to a person. And then John wrote this to a person. There's no indication that when these uh, apostles penned these letters that they were necessarily conscious that they were writing scripture. Now they might have been, but there's, there's no indication of that. On, on, on a very uh, real level, this was John writing a letter to a friend. But we know that 2 Timothy says that all scripture is given by the inspiration, it actually doesn't say the inspiration, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now I've, I've not done a lot of study along this lines, it's just, just not something I've majored in, but I've done a little bit of study over the years of other writings that were contemporary with the writings of the New Testament. You know, there were, there were some other uh, people who wrote epistles uh, about the same time that the epistles of the New Testament are written. Some of them were rejected early on as being spurious and not real and just, you know, fabrications. But there are others that history documents, uh, you know, the epistle of Clement and different ones that, that were contemporaries to, to, these, to these apostles. Their writings are known as the, uh, the, the writings of the early church fathers, which is a I think a misnomer, but anyway, that's what they're called because these are the church fathers right here, <laughs> the writers of the New Testament. But anyway, they call that the early church fathers, the, this uh, subset or this next generation or uh, a level of, of, um, of writers. They were Christian writers that wrote 
uh, epistles and letters and spoke of doctrine and different things. If you go back and read them, there you are struck, at least I have been, I've been struck with the, with the, the difference in authority in those letters and these letters. They, they, don't, they don't even, you know how people today write differently than people did you know, years ago? styles and everything. It's, it's, it's as if the writers of the New Testament, that these apostles, there was a style that, that is different. When you read some of these other epistles, I've read some of them, and they just sound like a natural person writing a letter. But there's something about the Bible, when you read it, you know what that is, you recognize. It's like, this is God. It, there, the difference, I, I've said it like this, in my book, I said it like this, the difference between the inspiration and the magnitude on the writings of the New Testament compared to these other, they're good people, Christian men. It, it almost makes the other writings almost seem profane in compared to the, to the authority and inspiration that's on the scriptures. So we need to always uh, remind ourselves that these are not the words of an ordinary, they were the words of an ordinary, they were ordinary words, let me say this, they're ordinary words from an ordinary person. John was just an ordinary guy. He put his pants on just like you guys did, okay? But they were God-breathed words. How, what, what does that mean, God-breathed? It's sort of like this. Now, there are people who can play a trumpet, when they put that trumpet to their lips and blow on it, because of the skill they have, when their breath goes into that trumpet, it creates something magnificent. Now you hand that trumpet to Doug <laughs> or to me, and I press my lips against that thing and blow, I can put all the breath I want to in it. My breath is just as good. I have a cousin, a first cousin, who is a phenomenal world-class trumpet player. My breath is just as good as his. But there's something about who he is and who I am and the skill he has. I, I can't even make a, if I can even make a sound, I'd be surprised if they can make a sound. If I did, it would just be a ridiculous sound. But when he puts his lips to that trumpet, I'm telling you what, he creates something that is so powerful. Well, part of that is because the horn itself has been created to receive that, that, the, the skill of that trumpet player. The trumpet wasn't created for these lips. It was created for lips that know how to do it. Lips and, and, and a person with skill in breathing into that thing. And it's, and it's designed every, every inch of it on the inside. The entire inside of it, the shape of it is, every, is, is designed to take the breath of a skilled player and make it something magnificent. Well, what God did is God took his breath and pressed it upon the language of man through these writers. And when he breathed through them into the language of humanity, it didn't come out sounding tinny. Something creative and something beyond, something otherworldly came out. It was the, it was the, 
And, and that's what it says. It's God breathed. That's what the word inspiration means. Where it says that, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In the, in the original Greek, it says all scripture is God breathed. God breathed into the language of men. And like the Old Testament says, some spoke, but some wrote. But, but in either way, God's, God's breath went in and, and out and, and, and impressed itself upon natural human language and gave us the word of God. It is God-breathed. Something of God is in this word. His life, everything he is is in this word. And I'm going to tell you, it's just as, it's just in, it's just as inspired now as it was when, he, when, when, when John first rent penned it. It's just as powerful, just as inspired now. You know, if I took a balloon and blew into a balloon, put my breath, you know, blew into a balloon, my breath going into that balloon would cause that balloon to take shape. I then take, what do you do? You take that balloon and you tie it off. Well, your breath is still in that balloon. The same breath that gave the balloon shape sustains its shape. And, there, and I guarantee you, I'm not a scientist, but I guarantee you, if you blow into a balloon, if the inside of the balloon could be examined, there's, there's, some, there's some molecules of you inside that balloon. There's gonna be some you DNA in that balloon, in that breath. And it'll be there as, as long as, as those things can, can physically remain. God's life is in his word. Everything God thinks, everything God desires, everything, his will for us, his expression for us, everything was deposited in his word for us. And that's why the apostle John here said, I pray that you may prosper in all, this is God saying this. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What does that have to do with it? Well, we know that the word soul is used two different ways. We usually talk about the one way, but the word soul has two different applications in both the Old Testament and New Testament. One way the word soul is used, it means, it, it, speak, it speaks of the whole person. In other words, the, the essence of an individual, he is, he, he is a soul. You know, if you fly on an airplane, you might not know it, but there's a registry made of how many, and they still use this phraseology, there's 234 souls on board because it speaks of personhood. So in a general sense, the word soul encompasses the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Not just the, the spirit, soul, and body, but the individual, everything he is, the persona, the, 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 the totality of what it means to be you is in that word soul. But then in a specific sense, the word soul means the mind, the will, the desires, the emotions of an individual. Well, see, God wants our souls to prosper in the sense of our whole being. But he also wants, our, he also wants us to prosper in our souls, in our mind, will, emotions, 
and desires and he wants us to, to prosper in them by letting his mind, will, purpose, desires get inside of us. That's why he gave us the word. He said, I pray that you may prosper in all things, be in health, even as you prosper in your soul, even as your, your, your mind and will and emotions begin to, to take on the things that are in the word, my will for you. Oh, glory to God. We need to align our will, our mind, our will, our emotions, our feelings and desires with God's. Now, God breathed this. This is what he breathed. He breathed through John, I pray you may prosper in all things and be in health. We need to be against anything he's against and for everything he's for. Whatever God wants, we ought to want it. God is against sickness. God is against sickness. He doesn't use sickness. That's not his handiwork. He's against it. You say, well, how do you know that? Because when Jesus went to the cross, he bore our sicknesses. God is against sickness and disease of every sort. He wants us well. He wants us to be in health. And, and it's not a side issue with him. He's very, very passionate about wanting us to be in health. Well, glory to God. It, it always stirs me to talk about why God wants to bless us. God wants to bless us because he's good. It just comes from God's inherent nature. You know, I've said this before. The Bible says that God is love. This John that wrote this said, God is love. Now we know that God is all powerful, but nowhere in the Bible does it say God is power. We know that God is all knowing, but nowhere does it say God is knowledge. It says God is love. It, it, it is what he is. God is love. And because of that, the Bible says he yearns towards us. He is full of compassion. He is full of tender mercy. God, God longs to bless people. Over the Old Testament, it says that the eyes of the, of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth in behalf of them whose hearts are upright before him to show himself strong. God's looking for opportunities to show himself strong. God's looking for opportunities to, to save. I mean, if I don't care who, I don't care how bad or wicked or defiant a person is, if a person will just turn toward God, I mean, he's just right there. He is right there to save, to forgive. He is just as eager and ready to heal as he is to save. God is, God is not just okay with salvation. He's not just, 
He's, he, he's just, it's not just okay if you get saved. God longs for people to be saved. And he sent us into the world to preach a, a message of salvation. But salvation involves through our inheritance, it involves more than the new birth. It involves all of these other aspects of, of our, of our uh, inheritance. He's not just okay with healing. It's, it's not something with him that, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad, I'm glad you let me heal you. No, God, God wants to heal people. You can see that in the ministry of Jesus. You go through the gospels, you won't find one person who ever came to Jesus in faith that didn't go away healed. And many times you've heard me say this over and over and over again, but it's a, it's a profound reality. There are multiple places, not the same story told by different writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but different instances where Jesus went into to communities and everybody in the entire region came who was sick. They brought everybody. The Bible says all the sick people brought them all. And he healed every one of them. And, and that so blesses me because I think, you know, I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, but I'm sure there was somebody in that crowd that was probably as, as fallible as I am, probably as, as uh, uh, inclined to, to, to mess up, make mistakes, do something that's, that's far less than perfect. I'm sure there was somebody as bad as me. That person and everybody like them went away healed. In one place there in Capernaum, it, 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 it reads, you can read it in, in, uh, math, in Mark, Matthew 8, I think, Mark 4, I don't know, Luke 8, I don't remember the three different versions of the same story. In Capernaum, you know, when, when uh, uh, Jesus went in the synagogue, ministered to somebody that night, you know, he ministered to uh, 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 Peter's mother-in-law. And it said that that evening, the whole city was gathered together at the door. If you put all three versions of that story together, every sick person in Capernaum, everyone was brought to the door of the house where Jesus was. And it not only says he healed them all, it says he laid his, that just strikes me, that he laid his hands on every one of them. Now, you know, Jesus in his humanity, he didn't, he didn't function with all of the authority or, or uh, uh, ability of God. He laid his, his mighty power and glory aside. He was still God, but he functioned under the limitations of man, but a man who was without sin and a man who was filled with the Holy Ghost. Big difference. But he wasn't, you, you can see times when, when he didn't just automatically know everything. God's omniscient. He knows everything. But when the woman with the issue of blood came behind him and touched his, his, the, the hem of his garment, he didn't know who it was. He looked around to see who it was. He didn't know who it was. That's because in his humanity, he had humbled himself and, and limited himself to function within the, the, the framework of humanity. And, but we still have this idea, well, you know, 
Jesus would have known if there was anybody, there was anybody in the group at Capernaum who was a real creep. You ever known a creep? You know, somebody that you, you know, you, I'm not praying for that guy. I mean, he deserves worse than he's got, you know. You know, you, you, don't, you, know, you might not think that or say that, but you've thought it. There had to be two or three people like that in Capernaum who were sick. You know, they'd be sick if they lived like that. And, you know, I know Brother Christopher, when we go to his crusades, you know, he doesn't ordinarily pray for people one-on-one, lay hands. He, he prays a mass prayer for the whole crowd, and then there are just hundreds and hundreds of people come up to the platform and testify of being healed of all kinds of things. But, you know, when you, when you, when you get down to praying for a person one-on-one, you would think the Lord Jesus Christ, if there was somebody there that wasn't qualified, he would have picked that up. I'm, I, you know, I can imagine him going, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Come make an appointment. <laughs> the Bible says he laid his hands on every sick person in Capernaum and he did not cast them aside or tell them they couldn't be healed. He healed every one of them. And that's, that encourages me. That encourages me. Glory to God. God is passionate about healing. And, and like I said, you know, the, the, uh, the man who came to Jesus and he said he was a, a leper and he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. But when you, when you look at the way we use the word willing today, it can be very, it can be very uh, limited in the way we think. Well, I'm willing to help you out, but I really don't want to. I'm willing to serve on a jury, but I'd rather not, okay? So that's the way we use the word willing. What, what the leper said is, if it is your will to heal me, I know you can Jesus said, it is my will. And in, the, and in the Greek language, that was as strong a statement as you could make that it was the intention and the purpose of Jesus was to heal that man. So to say today, when we say, well, God is willing, that's far too tame. He's not just willing, he's eager. He's eager to heal. Glory to God. F.F. Bosworth said he is ever hunting for opportunities to gratify his benevolent heart because he delights in mercy. Glory to God. Well, not only healing, God, his, his compassion leads him to meet every need. All through the gospels, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion and healed them. Go with me to Matthew, let me see if I can find my reference. Yeah, Matthew 15. Matthew 15. Oh, glory to God. Matthew 15, and let's look at In verse 29, it says, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. 
Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them. Now the word all isn't there, but the clear implication is they healed all of them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the lame made whole, the maimed made whole, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me for three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And we, you know what happened here. He took the, 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 the five loaves and the two fish and, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples and, and fed that whole multitude, several thousand people. But notice he said, I have compassion on them because they don't have anything to eat. God's compassion will, God's compassion leads him to heal. I said, God's compassion leads him to heal. It, it's what motivates him to heal. Well, his compassion motivates him to meet every earthly need you have. Psalmist said, the young lions lack, suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Another place it says that, that God uh, is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Now say lack instead of want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. God doesn't want us to lack anything that he's provided for us. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have a lack consciousness. We should say, I, I don't lack anything. I don't tolerate. Some people are lactose intolerant. I'm just lack intolerant. Be lack intolerant. Not lactose, be lack intolerant. I don't tolerate, I'm not gonna tolerate lack. I'm not gonna tolerate a lack of something that I know God's done for me and belongs to me. I'm just not gonna tolerate the lack of that. I'm not gonna tolerate sickness. Well, you, you, you back down a little bit on that. Listen, God isn't mad with you if you're not well. That's not the point. That's, that's, that's not it. It's just that God passionately wants you well and not only just to be healed, but to walk in health. He wants you to be healthy. He wants all of us to be healthy. I have a, I have a desire for 2019. I'll tell you what it is. In 2019, I'd like to see this church take a major step forward in all of us collectively rising up in a higher level of faith where the blessings of God are concerned. And in today, I'm particularly impressed about healing and health. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a put down. 
to say that, that we need to be more serious about healing, I need to be more serious about healing. And the Lord's been dealing with me for months about this. That I've not taken it as serious as I need to. We need one another. We need one another. We need the prayers of one another. I remember over 20 years ago when I had cancer. The prayers of this church helped pull me through. I was conscious of that. I was conscious of, of the fact that I needed other people's prayers. And if you remember that situation, God moved miraculously on my behalf to, to save my life. In 2015, I was skiing in March, February, March of 2015, and I should have had a heart attack. I got home, and you know this, you know this story if you were here. I got home, and the next day, I started having chest pains. I went to the hospital. All of my coronary arteries were blocked. Two of the major coronary arteries were 80% blocked, and one artery the LAD was 99% blocked. And that artery is called the widow maker. When it closes off, people usually fall on the spot. It was 99% blocked. Now God, again, moved miraculously because two days before, well, I was traveling a day, three days before, I was skiing at 12,000 feet, 11,000 11, something. Isn't that, isn't that how high veil is, about 11? Yeah. God miraculously brought me through that. But that got my attention. I thank God for miraculous intervention, but I need to do better. Amen. I don't need to, I don't, I'm, I'm not having atherosclerosis, that disease in the arteries. I'm not having that. I, I decided I'm not tolerating that. I'm not tolerating that in my body. I'm not tolerating other diseases. See, if we don't start thinking the way God thinks, then we'll never step up to a place he wants us to be. It is possible. It is within your grip. It is within, it, it is within your grasp, I should say, to live in divine health. I know everybody talks about Dad Hagen, you know, that he, he lived, you know, he said, I, he said, he described his experience. He said, I, I like to call it divine, divine health instead of divine healing because he's lived all of those years without sickness and disease, 60 years and uh, 70 years almost. And he said, uh, he used to say this and, and, and I got, I misunderstood it first myself, but I heard him, Brother Hagen had a way those of you who, who followed him very closely, he had a way of saying certain things or certain phrases that he used that nobody used but him. And he had a particular meaning when he said it that you wouldn't necessarily get unless you, you followed him really closely. He used to make this statement. He said that over the years, remember he said, I haven't had a headache in over 50 years. He said, now I've passed up some marvelous opportunities. What he meant by that were there were times when his head hurt, but he didn't take a headache. He didn't say, I've been over 50 years, my head hasn't hurt. He said, over 50 years, I haven't had a headache because he didn't take them. 
One illustration he gave when he was at Raymond one day, he got in his, in his uh, 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 Bronco to leave the campus and as, as he pulled out, he said all of a sudden his head started hurting. And he said, he just hit himself on the, he said, no you don't, not having that and it went away. I don't have any reason to think they always went away instantly like that, but that was one time. But what the point was, yeah, his head started hurting, but he said, no, I'm not taking that. That's why he could say for 50, over 50 years, haven't had a, haven't had a headache. I've passed up some marvelous opportunities. Then he said this, you guys that, that follow him closely, he would say this sometimes and everybody would go, oh, wow. He'd say, sometimes I go along for two or three years and, and I don't even hardly know I have a body. Remember him saying that? Wow, what kind of man is this? We all thought he meant that he'd go around for two or three years like in, a, in an almost out of body stance, you know, kind of condition where he was just in the spirit, you know, and he wasn't even aware of natural things, didn't even know he had a body. I heard him say another time, he said, I go for, I've gone for two or three years at a time where I wasn't even where, I was almost not even where I had a body from the standpoint of sickness and disease. He wasn't talking about, he what? come on. He shaved every morning. He took a bath every morning. He went to the bathroom every day. He was married. He had marital relations. You can't go two or three years and not be conscious of your body. Okay? That's not what he was saying. He was saying that as from the standpoint of sickness and disease, I've gone two and three years at a time where I, I, my body didn't even give me any problem. I didn't, even, I didn't even have symptoms. That means, you know, I'd go for two or three years at a time and not have an upset stomach, not have a, you know, a shoulder ache. I had one this week with actually a neck ache. I went to bed and, and after about an hour I woke up and I don't know how I was laying. I thought, Oh, my neck is so sore. I was conscious of my body. He said there were times he'd go two or three years at a time and not even, not even have the slightest thing wrong with his body. But he, he, he didn't go 50 years that way. He would go for periods of time. He didn't even say how many times. That might have only been a few times. The point was he lived a life where he just didn't put up with sickness and disease. Symptoms would come against him and he would say, no, you don't. I'm not accept. That's what I'm talking about. That he called divine health, living and divine. Doesn't mean living where, you're, where, where you never get attacked. He went on to say the only times he'd ever really, really been attacked in body with something serious is when, is when he had, was in disobedience and had not obeyed God in something. And he opened the door to the devil and the devil attacked him, but he'd always repent and get his healing. And, and we'll find out the same thing. But the point I'm making to you is God wants all of us. That's not just for Brother Hagen. He wants all of us to, to live a life where we experience the compassion of God in everything we do, in all of the, of the affairs and the, and the uh, situations and involvement that we have in life and everything that we do. God's compassion and mercy comes through, but it'll only happen if we align our soul with what he said. It'll only happen if we align our will and emotion, our feelings and our desires with God. God desires that we be well. He desires it. 
And we can be well. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I, I believe in, don't mis, misunderstand me, I believe in healing. I'm gonna partake of healing. But I'm also, I also believe in getting to a place where I don't have to always be healed. I just, when symptoms come and, and, and I'm learning to do this more and more and more, no, you don't. No, you don't. I, I, I am not taking that. I am not taking that pain. I'm not taking that disease. I'm not taking that whatever. No knee, you're not gonna act like that. I might've stepped off that curb wrong, but I'm not putting up with this. I might have, I might have but, but, but might have misspoke or misstepped, but no, I'm not taking this. It's for all of us. God wants us to live in divine life, divine health. Glory to God. Oh, praise God. Well, that's, that's, that's what is on my heart for 2019, for at least for right now, that we begin to stir ourselves up to lay hold of everything God has for us. And, and if, we're gonna, if we're gonna minister to people, we need to, we need to be able to show them how to live by faith. I don't care, how, or, or it doesn't matter, I should say, it doesn't matter how many times you've approached a healing in your body and have not received doesn't matter. The devil will try to use that against you. Oh, I've tried this before. He'll try to use, but it all comes back to aligning your heart. Is, is God's word full of, his, of life and power today like it was when it was first written or isn't it? Is it medicine to all our flesh or isn't it? Well, if it is, if we feed on it in faith and believe that, it's gonna have an effect. It's gonna have an effect. It's gonna have an effect on us. Glory to God. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you today and going forward, hallelujah, that we can have everything that belongs to us. Let's have a lack in, so I said lack intolerant mentality. Let's be lack intolerant. I'm not gonna tolerate it. It might linger, but I'm not gonna tolerate it. There, there are a couple of things in my body that linger a little bit, but I'm not having it. And since I've taken this stand for, for quite a while now, those things are, are dropping off of me. They're dropping off of me. Because I determined I'm not gonna tolerate it. I'm just not gonna tolerate it. It's not because I'm anybody that I'm super. It's because those who, who, who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And if that's true, then that's, guess what I'm gonna do? Seek the Lord. I'm gonna seek the Lord. Glory to God. If, if you haven't walked where, where you would like to in the past, just say, the past is the past. Today's a new day, glory to God. And I'm gonna walk where I haven't walked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay hold, but it starts by aligning your thinking with God's thinking. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.